put a smile on your face. And, uh, oh, orchestra, you're dismissed. Sorry. Everyone's like looking at me. Is he going to say it? All right. Thank you all. That's better. All right, First Timothy chapter 5. First Timothy chapter 5. And moving along here with our series on the book of First Timothy. And uh, finally made it to chapter 5. In case you're wondering, there's one more chapter. All right, so. But... Um, Good to see you tonight, and again, I want to encourage you as we go into the next couple of weeks to be prayerful for our church and prayerful for all those guests that are coming, and you know, our desire for, um, for our special day is just to use it as a bit of an opportunity uh, for us to invite people to come along and, and perhaps get saved, and I think there, there's a good number of you who came for the first time to our church on an anniversary Sunday, and, and it was that day that you called on Christ to be your Savior. And so we're, that's our hope, that's our goal, and we're looking forward to just serving together that day. Um, but we're going to get into the Bible here in First in Timothy chapter 5. Notice verse 1, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. The elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now she that is a widow, widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, and specifically for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old, having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. And uh, we'll leave it there for our reading. You can read through the rest in the next couple of weeks, and hopefully we'll cover uh, right through till uh, to the next couple of weeks here, right through to the end of the, the chapter. Uh, but if you remember, chapter 4 dealt specifically with, with end times and, and then also what we ought to take heed to. He focused on those, those reminders to the pastor and reminders to Timothy about his personal conduct and how he ought to be and his personal study and, and so forth, what his focus needs to be. But now the, the Bible um, and, and this letter now focuses on a very important thing. And remember the, the major theme of the book of First Timothy is how we ought to behave ourselves in the house of God. And though, uh, though we, we think about that in, in the terms of of ministry, remember ministry is all about relationships and people work. And so now he deals with specifics about, uh, about 
relationships really within the church. And so chapter 5 deals with that. And someone said that much of success in life comes down to our ability to relate to others. And really God gives us a manual for that in His Word. And, and you know, sometimes when we, we're, we're, we're working in the ministry and we're, we're together as a church family, uh, sometimes there's communication and miscommunication. And we've got to deal with all of that as, as we go about. But we know that the, the Word of God is really a manual in regard to the human condition. And as a, the, the Bible reveals the, the very nature of God and the, the very character of God, but along the way it, it unveils for us humanity. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4 that it is a discerner, the, the Word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so part of what the Bible reveals for us is not only uh, human relationships from the seen level, but the unseen level. And so what I'm trying to get at is the Bible is a one big study of humanity. And God knows His creation, doesn't He? God knows us as His, His creation. And so it's important to recognize, again, that the theme of the letter is one of how thou oughtest to behave thyself. And again, it's not only an admonition on how we behave toward God, but how we behave toward each other. You know, sometimes we take for granted the fact that, that as, we, as we go through and, and we strive to be the kind of church that God is pleased with, that part of that package is how we relate to each other. Uh, actually, a major part of that. How we, how we relate to each other. And so the Bible shows us that. Um, someone likened it this way, as with an article of clothing... The church family has its seams, created naturally by age differences, gender differences, economic differences, and so on. These seams where these various groups, where these various groups come together, often shows visible signs of stress. And so it falls to the Christian to cross, cross all these lines from time to time in order to minister effectively, but crossing these lines requires sensitivity and care. And, and church, you, there, was a, there was a great illustration here of those who sang tonight as they, they harmonized accordingly to the music. You know, there was different, um, different stages of life represented right here. There were those who were starting their journey, newly married, uh, about to be, be parents. There are those who are empty nesters. There are those who are, are along that way in, in between those, those uh, segments of our church. And we're all different in our, in our stages of life. We're all different in our backgrounds, and all of that God weaves us into, into one tapestry, one church family. And you, you would look at all of that, and, and, and there would be at times stresses along the way. And so what Paul does then, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, prefaces all of that. He just gave Timothy about his need to be an example and to take heed to God's Word with the balance of ministry. And that balance is truly all about people work. People work. Uh, for those of you who are called to ministry, um, can, I just, can I just emphasize to you that it's not just book work that we have. It's people work. It's working with relationships. It's working uh, in regard to differences and, and all of that. And the church, uh, the church is made up of individual people who are saved, but get this, are still imperfect. None of us have arrived and if you think that, then you're wrong. None of us have arrived. 
we're still on this journey toward Christ-likeness. And along the way, at times, we cross lines and we add extra stress on those seams. And yet we see in this chapter how we ought to behave toward each other and really as a family, firstly, as a family. And so we're going to look at verses 1 and 2 tonight and look at family members. Notice verses 1 and 2, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. So notice here family members. There are four separate types of people mentioned here in these two verses, and they're all pictured as a family unit and the different relations in that family unit. Uh, we could liken the, the church in, in many ways that the Bible illustrates for us and, and shed some light as far as the, the picture of, of how we ought to be as a church. But, but probably the most vivid of those is our relationship as a family, as a family unit. And um, Paul here was trying to get the church to understand that they were to treat the church like their own family. You know, sometimes we can be pretty selfish. Um, sometimes we look at, the, look at the family of God like it's just a distant relative that, you know, we see from time to time. But actually, that shouldn't be our attitude. Actually, our attitude ought to be when we gather together that this is a, a, a family gathering. This is family time. And regardless of the week we've had and, and regardless of the, the stresses in our own lives, you know, we put those away for family's sake. You know, you'd be a pretty selfish dad to come home and always, always take out on your family the stresses that you had for that day. You'd be a pretty selfish mom to, to just continue to, um, to have a behavior towards your, your children that, that takes out the stresses of life. You'd be a pretty, um, pretty foolish child to just treat your, your parents in, in a way that's, um, that's despising them. And yet many times, even though the admonition is given to us how, how we ought to be, within the context of the church, many times we behave exactly that way toward our brethren and our sisters in Christ. We go about, and, and rather than putting the effort into actually looking like you enjoy church and maybe getting some things right before you enter those doors, we go about and rather than, rather than try to be an encouragement, we try to be a burden to others. And, and we know we live imperfect lives. Sometimes we can't help but tell on our faces how, how, how much stresses there are in our lives. But, but here's what I'm trying to say. As much as the home is a haven at times, we ought to view our, our times as a church, as a family where we can rest together in Christ. And we ought to encourage each other th this evening. We ought to have that mentality. And, and he's bringing out here that just that mentality of a family. And Paul was trying to get the church to understand that they were to treat the church like their own family. He'd already referred to the church as a household in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. He says that, that thou oughtest, notice here in verse 3.15, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. We're a household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. But notice the phrase that he uses, it's a house of God, it's a household. 
And so he's given that. And, and right through Scripture, we, we see this emphasis given how those relationships matter. You know, sometimes we can, we can be sort of myopic about our view of, of, our, of our church, where you only really care about your segment of the church. You know, your, your generation, your age bracket. And both young and old can be guilty of that. But you know what a sign of a healthy church is, is when the generations mix. That's why it's so encouraging to, to see, you know, uh, different generations sing together. That's why I'm not always about, you know, just let's just have the youth choir and then the, the main choir. That's why we made that change a little while ago with our choir, that no, everyone's in it together because that's really, you know, that's really how it ought to be. And, and there's, a, there's an emphasis there given. Look at, look at Titus chapter 2. Look at Titus chapter 2. And notice verses 1 to 6. He says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. But notice this, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. So notice again, uh, we're going to see a similarity here uh, as far as uh, the, the ones mentioned, the younger women, the older women, the, the uh, older men, the younger men. And all of that is mentioned here by, uh, in, in Scripture. Look at 1 John chapter 2. Look at 1 John chapter 2. Look at 1 John chapter 2 and notice there, uh, verses 13 and 14. We often quote verses, verse 15, love not the world. But he opens this, um, this chapter by saying, my little children. So he's going to speak, and again, the, the books of 1, 2, and 3 John really refer to, uh, refer to the, the, the church as a family. And, and he says here, my little children, verse 1, then skip down to verse 13 and 14. Notice he says, I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, because you have known the father. I have written unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men, because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. But again, notice the different layers of generations there. You have the older, the younger, and even the little ones. And again, a sign of a healthy church is that intra-church relationships that really come about because of the differences that we have. Differences of generation, of stages of life. And you know, my estimation as I've looked around and observation around different churches, particularly in independent Baptist churches around Australia, is, is often they struggle to have one demographic or the other. You know, you, you see churches that, that uh, really are made up of, of just an older generation. And, and even uh, Pastor Malari, he was speaking to us last week. He was speaking about their, just what's happening at their church and how they're, they're struggling to keep their youth. And, and once they turn 18, he's saying they're, it's almost like they're just leaving as soon as they get their license. Um, and, and that's no knock on, on their church, but I'm just saying there's, there's this pushing and pulling away that, that is inherent in our day between generations. 
But, but I'm just saying here, that shouldn't be so. Right? There's no competition here. Right, church? There's no emphasis over one or the other. We, we need to all work together for the cause of Christ. And every generation needs to minister to each other. And, and that's what families do. Families don't just have... Uh, families aren't just made up of, of this and that. No, there's, there's meant to be that, that multi-generational outlook. And, and so there's this... The, the, the Bible is emphasizing that both young and old have a part to play in the family. And so he, he goes specifically and he mentions uh, groups of people here. He firstly says to the elder, he says, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And so really the first group he's referring to as family members is the, the older men, the elder men. So he says, rebuke not an elder, entreat him as a father. So in, in this instance, again, this is speaking about older men as opposed to the elder title given to pastors. All right? And, and the only way we know that, it's the same word, the only way we know that is the context. Right? Because then later on, he mentions older women, younger men, younger women. So this isn't specifically speaking about the elder as far as the pastor is concerned. He's speaking about those older men in the church. Those men who, who were, were part and parcel of that, that local church there in Ephesus. And again, um, in, in, in Titus 1.5, he says, uh, in another context, he says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and, and notice this, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. So there's a, there's a specific appointment of elders. But here in this instance in chapter 5, 1 Timothy chapter 5, it's speaking about just just really plainly, older men in the church. Okay, so, so it's not about eldership here. It's about the fact that, that there's older men in the church. And he's, he's going to instruct how we ought to treat older men in the church. And, and in, the, in the Greco-Roman world of the day, including Jewish families that were scattered around, living in that culture, older men, but especially fathers, were given great respect. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. The Bible does tell us to honor our father and our mother. It's a good thing to, to treat older men with great respect. That's not just a Western construct. No, that's a Bible construct. All right, the Bible gives us that. But the implication here is that one's chronological age was enough for one to show respect towards them, really regardless of spiritual age. And we know that, that we, can, we can measure age in, in many ways, but, but really it, just, it was enough when someone was, a, was an older gentleman in the church to show them respect. In fact, the Bible clearly, clearly goes through that and, and, and carries the same, the same level of, of respect even in the Old Testament. In Leviticus 19.32, Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head. That means the, the gray hair. The, the whitening hair, and, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God, I am the Lord. So even his, his, uh, the, uh, the, the, civic, um, the, the civic laws given there as far as how society was meant to be, even in the Old Testament, in God's mind, even those who were older were to be respected. He said, rise up before the, those who are older men. And again, the admonition here was that they be not rebuked. And here, this means that they should be treated gently. 
rather than harshly. You know, we live in a society, and, and part of the judgment uh, upon God in a society is when the older are mistreated. We, we live in that society. We have all of these, uh, all of the, it's just a mistreatment. And, and I know different cultures deal with it differently, but, but I'm just speaking here in Australia. Oftentimes, the, the older people are mistreated, not valued anymore. And yet, what the Bible is saying here is treat them gently. To rebuke means to chastise with words, to chide, to upbraid. And so he's saying, don't be harsh, be gentle. But what this does not mean is that age trumps truth. That does, that this doesn't say that the older man can't be rebuked. Sometimes the older men need to be rebuked. But we do so gently. The, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 16.31, the hoary head is a crown of glory. But then there's a condition, if it be found in the way of righteousness. So, so you don't just throw around your age and, and say, no, respect me. No, your age is meant to be combined with a walking in righteousness. And, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful today that, that we have some of you who are older in the faith, older chronologically, who still have a sweet spirit, who still has a joy and a spring in their step, as much as you can muster for the glory of God. You know, what? one of the sad things that, that sometimes you see is when, the, when there is a souring or bitterness in an older person. Joy transcends age. Joy transcends condition. Joy in Jesus does anyway. And here he's saying to the older, you know, entreat them as fathers. Be gentle towards them. But this doesn't mean that the older men were, 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 um, were free from rebuke. Sometimes that was necessary. And in fact, if you read between the lines, when he says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he says, let no man despise thy youth. That meant that there were those men in the church who were holding over Timothy, his youthfulness, and you would have to say they were older men. There's a contrast. And he's saying there, please, have that, have that relationship. He says there was a need to entreat the older man as a father. To entreat means to call near. That is invite, to call to one side. And there's a great picture of relationship there. And one of my great desires as I look around is that some of our younger men would understand the value of the older men. And some of you need to stop just hanging out with each other and need to seek out some of these older men for some good godly counsel. And sometimes, sometimes the mentality is we just hang out with other people our age. But can I just tell you this pretty bluntly? You'll never grow. You need to call, us, call along. So you need to entreat them. You need to bring them alongside you. And there's, that, there's, that, there's a great need for our day in, in, that, trans, in that relationship between the, those two generations. That's to call near, to invite. This requires relationship, and really what it requires is mutual respect. And so he, he says there, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. But then notice, secondly, 
here and the younger men as brethren. So younger men, the, the next member of the family are younger men. These would be men who are younger than you, both in age and in spirituality. He's saying, he's going to refer to them now. But what the Bible does say here is, it doesn't say to treat them as nobodies who know nothing. The Bible says brethren. Brethren. The Bible saying there, treat them as brethren. Not as underlings. You know, when you call someone your brother, there's a great respect there. And that's why, you know, at times we call each other brother or sister. You know why? Because it's, it's a, just, a, just respect. You know, we don't have to be over the top. And, and sometimes, you know, that, that's, the, that's the beauty of being a Baptist. When you forget someone's name, you just call them brother or sister. <laughs> All right? So if I've ever just called you brother, just call me out on it. All right? Just say, you've forgotten my name, haven't you? But, you know, it's, it's right to do so because we are brethren in Christ. But specifically here, he's saying to the younger men, just, they're your brethren. They're your brother. Um, remember, there, there, are those, uh, there are those who already had a, again, had a bit of disdain toward youth in the church. And specifically, the Bible was saying that there were men in the church who were despising, despising a younger man in Timothy. But you know, even Jesus was treated this way somewhat. Remember in Matthew chapter 13 when he went back to his own uh, country where he, was, where he grew up? Remember there was when, when people saw him, is not this the carpenter's son? They treated him as a young man. They were astonished at his doctrine. They were astonished at his words. They were astonished at the miracles. But then they looked at him and they said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his, aren't his sisters with us? And they looked at his youthfulness and they, the Bible says he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And here's what I'm saying. Sometimes we have this mentality that's really inherent there, but, but we see it in modern times. Sometimes we do despise youth. We just automatically think, well, well, they've got much to learn. And they do. But they also have something to offer because they're your brethren. There's a strength there. Um, and the, the, we read the verses earlier in 1 John. The, the thing about young men is their strength. The Bible tells us that. And younger men are to be treated as brethren. Not an underling, but as one that is beside Hey, this denotes treating them as equals rather than looking at them as inferior. Someone said it this way, just as it is difficult for an older person to respect the teaching and leadership of a younger man, so also it is difficult to know how to instruct and correct older people in the church. And so there's that tension between older and younger, and, and I think more so, I think the Bible brings that out for us, more so with, with those, with men. You know, we men can at times be pretty stubborn. And yet we need each other to learn from and to grow. And, and, and again, in re regard to, to, to ladies, you, you need to look at your, the, the older men in your life as fathers and the younger men in your life as brethren. And there's a, there's a great, there's a great um, 
there's a great uh, instruction there given us on how we ought to treat each other. There's a tension there uh, between the older and the younger that only can really be addressed by treating each other as family. And so let's move on. We, we spoke about the younger men then, but then he says the elder women as mothers. So the elder women as mothers. And here we need to treat the older women in our church as our own mothers. You know, isn't, isn't it amazing how we go all out on Mother's Day? And we try to emphasize that. But we need to treat the older women in our church as our own mothers. And here we give them special consideration due to their age and experience. Um, you think about it, this would have been specially vivid for, for Timothy. Who was it that really raised him in the faith? Who was it? His mother and his grandmother, Eunice and Lois. And so this instruction given by Paul to Timothy would have rang, rang a bell for him. He said, treat the older women in the church as your mothers. It was his own mother and grandmother that raised him in the Lord. And, and can I say to the ladies in this room, you have a great opportunity to be a mother to these young men and young women. You know, for those of you who are empty nesters now, you might think, well, my job's done. Listen, there's still a church with, still full of young men and young ladies. And, and there's, a, there's, that, there's that great opportunity that you have. And, and you know, the, the fact is, at times, we have, we have our brethren who are uh, coming into the church and, and perhaps they've come from a, a broken home. Maybe they've come from an unsaved home and they've, they're the only ones saved. Um, maybe we need to pause and think here for a little bit because there's several of those in our church. And, and you know, in the, at the cost of following Christ, the Bible tells us that sometimes we lose those earthly relations. You know, it's not so much today that we see that. We still, somewhat, it's still accepted and that there's, a, there's still a remaining relationship there, but many of our brethren in different countries, if, if you're saved and you come out as a Christian, you're out of the family, aren't you? You're done. In, in Bible times, if you were, you were a Christian, then you were kicked out of home. And yet we see that it's still in, in this day, and, and maybe not so, not so harshly, but we see that still. There, there might be those even tonight who don't have a parent here. They, don't have, they have no mother. They have no father. And can I say for you older men and older women, you have that opportunity to be that for that person. And we need to have that attitude. Look at Matthew chapter 19. Look at what the, the, um, the Lord Jesus says about that. Look at Matthew chapter 19. And notice verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? He says, we've forsaken everything. What do we have? And Jesus in his, in, in his way, he comforts, he says, Verily I say unto you, that he which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that forsaketh, uh, hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, 
for my namesake shall receive, notice this, an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. And here's the great truth about, uh, about opportunities uh, that you have, you elder women. And again, the mentality for the younger and for others is to treat them as mothers. But again, the fact is at times the cost of following Christ means that earthly families forsake those who have become heavenly subjects. But yet in Christ, we have many mothers. There are those here, again, who maybe you have no parent or you're no, no earthly relation here. But here's what the Bible's teaching us. For those of you who are older, you need to fill that void in that person's life. You need to be mothering. You need to be motherly. And you can fill that void. You know, I, I love hearing things sometimes. You, you know, people who have come into the church and they said, oh, you know, so-and-so has adopted us. I love that. Oh, they've adopted me. They always had me over. But, you know, we have, in Christ, we have many mothers. And, and, and the, the, the glad thing for me, as I think about even in my own life, those of you who are, who are older men and older ladies in our church, you've been a mother and father to me. There's been times where you've corrected me. There's been times when I was discouraged. Uh, some of you ladies, unknown to you, I was really struggling that, that week. And, and you saved a, a plate of food and you asked me how I was doing. And you were a mother to me. And, and, and I'm thankful for that. And so we have to have the mentality of respect. You know, for those of us who are younger, have some respect. Young men and ladies, we need to treat the older ladies of our church like, like they're a mother to you. Respect them. Hey, young men, listen. Open the door for a, a lady once in a while, will you? Show some respect. Show some courtesy. Hey, how about you acknowledge some of them? How about you just greet them? instead of being selfish and just hanging out with your, your, your group. How about taking some time and, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I know this. If I went home and I didn't say hi to mom, man, the silent treatment. All right? And, and you, you felt it. And sometimes we go into, waltzing into church, and we, we don't say hello to anyone. And, and we have the spiritual, I'm only here for the Lord. Listen, the Lord has a big family, all right? <laughs> he, he cares about them too. And, and, and you ought to care about them as well. And so we ought to go about and, and we, ought, we ought to just have that mentality to, to treat the older ladies of our church like a mother. We can glean from their wealth of spiritual insight. We can be nurtured in the truths that they've learned. But then notice... Notice the next group. So we, we look at the older men, the younger men. But then we see the, the younger women. The younger women. He says, the younger si as sisters, notice this, with all purity. The younger as sisters. So in the context of the, the ladies in the church, there's a special admonition here for us how we ought to treat younger women. 
they are to be treated as sisters in the Lord and with all purity. And with all purity. You know, there's a measure of warning, really. To those whom this is written to, there's a temptation to think of younger women inappropriately. And so there's an admonition to behave in such a way that protects younger women from compromising situations. An author said this, No sort of behavior will so easily make or mar the young preacher as his conduct with young women. And brothers usually associate their sisters with companionship, confidence, and care. You know, I have three sisters, and I'm the eldest. That's the only way I survived. But I can tell you this, there's a closeness that I have with them. There's, that, there's times where I, where I shared some things that were in confidence. And we had that bond together as brother and sisters. And so there's that health in that. There's a, there's, there's, it's healthy to have that kind of relationship, but that brothers towards sisters is usually that, that protective love. You want to protect your sisters. And I know many times, you know, even on the, on the sporting field when my sisters would play sport, you know, and, and you know, another girl, and, and I don't know, girls, girls fight funny. You know, they pull each other's hair. And, and so, you know, you jump in there and you break it up and you want to protect. Uh, when, when, when there were certain friends that they had made that weren't right for them, I, I was one of the first to say, hey, they're not, they're not really a good person. You better stay away from them. And there's that protective love that we're meant to have towards the younger women of our church. Um, a, a healthy brother-sister relationship involves not so much as a thought of trespassing beyond the boundaries set by nature and the Word of God. And here the word purity was already used by Paul to tell Timothy, again in chapter 4, verse 12, how to be an example to the believers. In other places of your Bible, the same word is translated as holy. So in, in other parts of the Bible, this same word purity is translated holy. It has the idea of chastity, meaning uh, there's a forbidding of physical and spiritual impurity. That's whether in thought or deed. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5.28, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to last after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And boy, how that must grieve the heart of God. And men especially, we need to treat younger women with a standard of purity that will please God. And we need to have that, we need to have that, that kind of relationship. And you know, we must keep our guard up to ensure there's purity in that relationship. Um, you know, there's, there's especially important when, in regard to just familiarity, men. You know, it, it, it's, it's advisable if, uh, if a young lady who's not a family member, like earthly family member, in your life seeks your counsel, it's advisable that you pass them on to another lady Or you have another lady present, men, especially if you have your wife. They need to do the bulk of that. You can sit with them. And listen, don't put yourself in that situation. And it's important, guys, to, to, 
to understand that. We need to be careful with familiarity. And far too many preachers and other Christian men have made shipwreck in their lives because they didn't take heed to Paul's advice regarding younger women in the church. And listen, don't be a fool and think you're stronger than any other man in the world. Because you are a fool if you think that way. Young women need to be protected. And, and by the way, can I just say this? Young women aren't the problem. It's not because they are, that well, they just... And, and, and can I say to our young ladies here, really men aren't the problem. What's the problem is a carnal heart and a fleshly nature that really all of us need to mortify. And that's what purity involves. And, you know, men, you need to come to church having mortified the deeds of the flesh. The Bible tells us, give none occasion or provision to the flesh. And ladies, can I um, admonish you to act in a way that would honor and please Christ? And there's that balance. And, and again, the admonition is to treat younger ladies as sisters with all purity. And I'm glad for our young ladies. I'm glad for how they serve. I'm glad for how they had the joy of the Lord in their hearts. And I'm glad for how they, they volunteered their time so often to, to serve Christ with their talents. But let's foster an environment and continue to foster that environment of protecting them. All right? With all purity, the Bible says. And really, as we close tonight, a family that thinks right about each other will behave righteously toward each other. And so let's think right. You know, older men, we entreat you as fathers, younger men as brethren, older women as mothers, and they say here, younger sisters, uh, younger ladies as sisters with all purity. And we need to take great care to heed God's advice. And then, you know, as a result, we're going to grow as a church family. We're going to foster an environment that, that will, will just continue growth in the Lord, and we need to encourage and exhort one another to that end. And so as, as, Timothy, uh, as Paul writes this to Timothy to start this chapter, he's going to go through some specifics about widows, um, some more things about elders, and we're just going to continue to unpack this chapter in regard to our, our uh, inter-church relationships. And, and may God bless those. May God use us to encourage each other in the things of God. All right, let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless as we head uh, from this place. Father.